I think it's stupid that anyone spends time on their appearance. But if anyone's going to do it, I think... <laughs> it better be equal. It's, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, if you are a woman who spends whatever, like, 20 hours a week on her appearance or whatever, you better believe that you deserve a man who also does it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Welcome back to I'm the Villain. <laughs> Today we are talking with Elizabeth Lee and we're going to be talking about physical appearance and body standards, like body hair, like standards of beauty for, you know, all, you know, all different genders and stuff like that. So, so why don't you just start us off by like telling us a little bit about yourself and like why this is a topic that you're interested in or care about. Sure. Um, so I'm Elizabeth. I am a young professional in DC. I work in public policy and communications. I am turning 25 tomorrow. Woohoo! So yeah, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, very excited about that. And yeah, I'm interested in kind of this topic because I feel like I've grown a lot in terms of the way I've seen beauty standards and the way I view myself within those beauty standards, but I also find it really interesting um, to see other people and kind of what choices they decide to make with their body, whether it's, you know, whether they decide to cut their hair a certain way or what they do with their body hair or what kind of outfits they wear or to what extent they want to exercise in order to look a certain way. Um, it kind of shows part of your personality and I guess also um, the societal forces that compel those choices. Sorry, <laughs> I was using very <laughs> formal vocabulary, <laughs> not trying to be not super trying to, formal. Not trying to be an academic. Yeah. <laughs> um, where did you go to school? So I was born in California and then I lived in California in the Bay Area for around 12 years. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to Shanghai in China and went to an international school there for around six years. Mm -hmm. Then I went to college in Vermont and now I'm here. So Damn. all over the place. What <laughs> drove you slash your family to Shanghai? Um, so first my dad got a job there uh -huh. and then um, later my mom also got a more flexible job where she could spend more time with my dad. And yeah. so then um, we all just moved to Shanghai and my grandparents then switched to places with my parents and moved to California. And but most of my relatives are in Shanghai. So that's really. So do you feel like you're like sort of moving to different places to like drastically different places throughout your life do you feel like that's like affected your view of beauty standards and maybe a different way than someone that hasn't done so yeah i guess to a certain extent so i went to an american school in shanghai so yeah. it was very much like american beauty standards but i think grow i don't know i think like the point at which i started not shaving my armpit hair was actually when i lived in paris for six months for a study abroad and it was just like this new city it felt like there is a sensitivity to body hair in the u.s that i didn't find as strongly in europe mm -hmm. um and so then after a certain time i was like all right like i'm just not gonna shave my armpit hair and see what <laughs> happens um and i just felt a lot more comfortable having it there so um but Full disclosure, I started shaving again because... Because um, you're a traitor. Because I'm a traitor, yeah. Because <laughs> fuck feminism, but not really. <laughs> 
Well, why did you start? Why did you start shaming again? Hmm, that's a good question. I actually just felt like it. I felt like I was making more of an empowered choice rather than like a societally like forced choice. Because before, I felt like I had to shave in order, and I was anxious about not shaving. And if anybody saw my armpit hair, I would be like so embarrassed. But now, I've gone three years without, three or four years without shaving. Um, my armpit hair for the most part and I just felt like I kind of wanted to shave again because I wanted to see what it was like (laughs) and I guess like also in my workplace I I think I wanted to curate a different image of myself um, in which I'm more like refined I guess in some ways and more groomed in other ways so decided that I wanted to get back on that shaving train so for context um we're gonna link this in the show notes but elizabeth wrote an article on medium talking about like you know her relationship with like shaving and her body hair and things like that so do you want to basically kind of summarize what the original article was about and like why you felt like it was an empowering thing yeah yeah so i wrote this a whole while back so i don't even know if i've i haven't read it recently yeah so i need to kind of remember but i think what i said was kind of just documenting my experiences around one my anxiety around shaving and feeling really negative feelings around shaving whether it was getting like a lot of bumps or accidentally cutting myself and bleeding in the shower (laughs) yeah just like feeling like anxious about other people knowing that i had body hair to kind of shaving less and then finally kind of breaking away from shaving my armpit hair and wearing like tank tops and other things that you know exposed it and let people see I thought overall that it was a really good experience for me especially before I was afraid of looking you know perhaps like unattractive to like men because I had armpit hair but it actually never got in the way for me in terms of like my romantic escapades um And then other things I guess I was kind of worried about was culturally. So I'm Asian American and you didn't want to seem like one of those Asian people that didn't know that the convention was to shave or to like like make myself look more foreign. So that was another anxiety that I had. I obviously don't know whether people felt that I was more foreign, but I just kind of pushed through it um, knowing that, you know, it was kind of my preference and um, it was kind of annoying to shave every single day. Um, so I feel like we can like, we've like laid a good foundation for like why we care about beauty. Do we, I feel like we're like in the midst of a millennial driven sort of like upending of like beauty standards. Uh, but I also feel like that might just be me being in a bubble of people that like mm. don't care. I feel like it's kind of gone in really interesting ways, especially with Instagram, because I feel like before makeup was always about looking beautiful for the opposite sex or looking beautiful for somebody else. But now I feel like it's gone in a different direction on Instagram, especially where people are doing makeup because they love makeup. And then there's like the people who are pursuing kind of a more natural look. But do people really love makeup? Like, that's the thing that I just can't, like, get into my brain. Because literally, like, you know, like, shaving all of these things, right, was, I think, in my mind, and maybe this is, like, an overly cynical view of this, but Mm -hmm. 
all of these different trends in beauty standards were purely like a marketing tactic for businesses to be able to make money. And they're like, oh, what's the best way? Like, what is the most, you know, vulnerable spot that Mm -hmm. most people have going on, right? That we can take advantage of, right? Oh, they want to be attractive, right? That was like the basis behind, you know, almost all of these things, right? Even just like mouthwash was not a thing until Mm -hmm. someone came along and like started planting these little right, seeds of like ideas. oh like you know like you have you, you clearly like you know you're a bad breath like this is not something that people worried about before <laughs> like that that right. you know was just literally a marketing thing right? right yeah and so i just in my mind it seems to me like none of these things are ever actually organic trends in people actually deciding that you know a certain thing was more or less attractive right even the shaving thing is they basically and this is just like some random video that popped up on my Facebook feed the mm-hmm. other day. So I'm assuming it's true, but I don't know. Um, was it like basically when World War II happened or even maybe World War One, like all the men were going off to war basically and all these razor companies didn't have a market anymore. Right. Yeah. And so they were like, okay, how can we get women to buy razors? Oh, like let's start you know, stigmatizing having like hairy legs mm-hmm. to get women to like shave you know, their armpits and their legs and stuff like that. You right. Know? Yeah. No, that's totally true. And I mean, I feel like it's almost impossible to just like detangle the two, whether it's marketing or whether people genuinely like makeup or genuinely like shaving, etc. But I don't know. I, I really do think that there's kind of a growing population of people who are very much into the technicalities of makeup and even in ways that might be not attractive to like the opposite sex. Yeah. I think it's really hard to disentangle anything like about outward physical appearance from doing it for other people. But I don't think that cheapens it. I do feel like it might be circular, but like if I wear an outfit that I'm like into Mm -hmm. and I feel good in it, maybe it is because I feel good or maybe I do feel good because I know that I like, might look better to other people or I know that this is an outfit that like people think I look good in but I don't think that that cheapens the sort of like self-confidence boost that I get right you know and I think in that way like I think in that way it's still meaningful Mm -hmm. and that there is like sort of this middle ground between doing things entirely because I want a girlfriend or I want a boyfriend like I want to be in a relationship right and also this sort of true, probably false sense of auto- autonomy where like you're doing, like you're making changes to your physical appearance and telling yourself that it's only because you like to do it, right? I feel like there has to be somewhere between those things. Right, yeah. But I don't think that that's, like I said, I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with that as well. And I think that when you feel like you shouldn't take away you shouldn't feel bad about yourself just because you're like oh well i'm subject to all these like forces of marketing and i mean like what the fuck is organic (laughs) organic like interest in something right right well i feel like it's kind of sad that that is like a question we're asking because there totally are things that are organic right pre-marketing there's a world that we had like wanting to have like you know clean clothes or wanting to be healthy, right? Those I think are I think are things that absent a capitalist society that's marketing to you, you'd still want. I think that there are, were not really th- like that people didn't want clean clothes. Yeah, as our definition much, right? of, our definition of clean has changed. Yeah, sure, but like there's 
definitely a you know world out there that isn't you know constantly being bombarded with marketing campaigns like people who are in more rural areas and like other countries right that still want to have those things absent being you know the audience to a lot of these marketing messages but i still think that like so like i think that yeah probably most cultures that have clothing probably like they probably clean their clothing in some way but is the motivation behind that for health reasons or is it because like you don't want other people to think you smell bad or look bad well it could be both right but i don't necessarily think that that is obviously like entangled with marketing per se right i think that pre having these big corporate marketing forces that was still going on but wouldn't you also have even i guess like for us we have these corporate marketing forces but even in these like rural villages that you're talking about that are kind of outside of you know the capitalist system or not as deep inside of the capitalist system aren't there going to be you know societal trends and norms and values that are placed upon you that you don't necessarily make a choice about but are still meaningful to you in that you can fit into those societal norms and trends. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. But I think the difference is that does someone stand to make money off of it? If the answer is no, that to me seems more organic. I feel like it's so entirely feasible that like removed or a world removed from like giant corporate marketing machines, like marketing still existed, you know, it just wasn't able to be like as widely disseminated. But like if I was a dude in the colonial times in America and I like made soap because people still use soap, you know, and I like wanted to sell more soap, sell more soap. (laughs) I would like still do marketing and I would like try and convince people that they needed my soap to either like be cleaner or smell better or whatever than like other people's soap. I know that's exactly what I'm talking about. The person's making money. I'm just saying it it, basically in any of those examples where you're not, someone's not selling you something, but that is an example where someone's selling you something. But what's an example of not like, are you talking about like, staying on like the cleaning example like someone that like makes like just cleans their clothes like with like soap that they make themselves and like doesn't have to like choose between what soap they want to buy or like yeah there's totally people out there like that that don't (laughs) can we really not imagine a capitalist world really like i feel like that's not hard to imagine (laughs) it just feels like it feels like you're like there are so many things that like you like to do for example that um well you know even like removed from like beauty or whatever that you probably really enjoy and like you probably really fuck with that like people stand to make money off of you know but my point is that like that doesn't necessarily cheapen sort of the pleasure that you get from like partaking in those things no yeah i agree with that it's just that i think that on you know something that's like as obvious as kind of like this like, you know, shaving example, right? Where Mm -hmm. there was a clear corporate interest that was like, okay, we need people to buy our razors. And like, there's this whole narrative that's like documented. That's definitely not, you know, there's, you know, degrees in which people are, to which people are coerced into believing something and there's degrees to which they're not, right? Right. I think that generally speaking, with respect to like beauty stuff, it's mostly the former, right? Where someone is just deciding like, oh, let's, you know, like a lot of my friends are really into this, like, you know, Korean, like slug juice stuff that you put on your face. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever heard of that? No, I haven't. actually. <laughs> but, you know, put, people put crazy stuff. Yeah, on their faces, exactly. So right. It is what it is. Yeah, exactly. You know, like someone I, I, I posit 
that no one really was just like organically like, yes, I need this slug juice on my face. Like, <laughs> I feel like that was just like a corporate marketing thing. There's definitely, I think we all acknowledge agree to which that's somewhat exploitative, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But what if you want to be exploited? <laughs> Being exploited is like kind of wavy sometimes. Um, so do we feel, because I guess I kind of assumed that society in general, especially like millennial driven society, focuses less on like beauty and body standards but do do y'all feel like that's true i think there's more awareness around it because you know how like teen vogue became super vogue woke um, no i didn't know oh yeah like if you read teen vogue now it's like nothing it's it's just so different compared to when we were teenagers mm. i assume because yeah i feel like there had to have been some kind of like staffing like leadership change that like you know they suddenly were like oh this is what they want. They want right. like social justice. Yeah, like they, they actually want, want substantive articles. Yeah. yeah, and I think they like went through this. Yeah, big transition. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why it happened, but I'm you right. know, glad it happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really cool because you like look at Teen Vogue and you're like, oh, what? And they're like coming out with these articles that are like, oh my god, fire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that we we talk about it more now, but I think we talk about it more because we're just more aware generally of like people photoshopping things. And, you know, there's all of these like documentaries that came out, like misrepresentation, right? Mm -hmm. Talking about female beauty standards and how everyone was always showcasing the exact same body type in all of their advertisements and right. on the runways and things like that. I mean, I think we all were all always knew that it was like kind of an unhealthy thing, but I right. think that more recently people have been directing quite a lot of attention towards it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think gender as well, like gender presentation. Right. And I think that also the backlash against that, I think it happens actually on pretty small timescales because, you know, when you think back to whatever, like when was like Marilyn Monroe popular? Like that was like the healthy beauty standard, whatever. Like that was the healthy or unhealthy beauty standard of her time, right? Mm -hmm. And that wasn't this super skinny, you know, like twiggy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I always assumed that Marilyn Monroe was like challenge, uh, was like challenging the norm. With I thought that she was like, or was she? Should we? Is she considered like the standard for her time? I thought that when she came in, like things were leaning more in the sort of like skinnier direction, and then she came in was like, you know, I think what we would consider now to be like a pretty averagely figured woman. Yeah, I have no idea. I, I mean, I assume that because that's the one person I know from that time that represents like beauty standards or whatever. I have no idea. I don't know enough about that era of history to, to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> but I also think that she was a difficult beauty standard to achieve because she had these giant boobs but a tiny waist and these like bigger hips. Well, right? it's just like Kim Kardashian now. Yeah. Right? Like there's But still we know that she uses plastic surgery and all that, right? Right, right, right. So I feel but it's it is weird because like, you know, I think the backlash effect to that was like of the really skinny woman mm -hmm. is equally, you know, unrealistic of like, you know, like Nicki Minaj and like Kim Kardashian and all of mm -hmm. these like women who have like huge boobs and huge butts but like really tiny like torsos. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's not that's not natural either, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. but now it's more explicit that we're, you know, everyone's doing plastic surgery and that kind of thing and like yeah. photoshopping and airbrushing, whatever. Yeah. And I think there's like less shame in doing plastic surgery because there are literally episodes of Keeping Up with the Kardashians where <laughs> Kim is like talking about getting her, you know, lips injected or whatever it is and yeah. filming her getting injections into her lips and stuff. Yeah. And so it's like more, uh, like more on that trend of, 
like we know that we are augmenting our bodies or like doing things to make ourselves look better but like generally accepted because like it makes us feel better you right. know like trying to remove the narrative of being attractive for somebody besides mm-hmm. yourself yeah i mean i think at the, at the same time though like what you were mentioning about like instagram culture like there was this really really good um there's this really good series that the new york times is doing called the internet i think by amanda hess mm-hmm. and she has this episode on Ziz, who is this Australian bodybuilder who essentially kind of, I think it was like kind of happening for him, but really made it a really mainstream thing to have these insane like gym photos and like taking photos at the gym. And like, let me, let me just show you a picture of Ziz just so that you can kind of understand exactly, you know, the aesthetic because he's not, I think a widely known name, but I think he's definitely a widely, a widely influential phenomenon you know what i mean yeah Yeah, he's just a dude that's just like i would say aggressively ripped let me see oh wow okay he has he has like the yeah the like the like the the fuck boy the the, fuck boy look he has like the penis v yeah the penis v V that's like going (laughs) towards your dick yeah so here's the thing that's and really... also like each of his muscles are really like he his body looks like um, grapes or something <laughs> you know because he has so many little ripples yeah so like around. what's interesting is like he is one of the fir- basically like kind of the first guy to specifically work out like his muscles not based on like what you actually need to like lift weights or do like strength training or that kind of thing he like specifically creates these like routines to condition his body for the aesthetic look of it mm-hmm. right literally like for you know instagram and like right, that's it, right? but I, I don't even think that he was really around he so he's he's dead oh, he, wow. di- <laughs> he died at 22 because he had a heart failure from oh working God. out basically so he literally oh so he just probably just worked didn't even death. have enough body fat or yeah yeah that's kind of what happened a little to bruce lee i think at a certain point right because he just had so little body fat that he his organs were not doing the things they were supposed to do right and and what's also crazy about it is that so apparently to this day he was just such an internet phenomenon that every single day on youtube he died in i think 2006 i want to say oh wow to this day every single day there's a youtube tribute that is uploaded like there's a tribute video that is uploaded to youtube that's a tribute to ziz because there's all of these like young boys who are like ziz like you really like made me turn my life around like he posts all of these really infer- like inspirational videos being like with these like before and after photos of like mm-hmm. this is what happens when you work hard like this is what mm-hmm. you can achieve when you really like set your mind to doing something like he just like really set off this this whole movement of like using the gym as a like way to turn your life around right right and people there's a lot of guys that find that so inspiring Mm -hmm. you know and it's like really weird because on the one hand like so many some of these videos like i watched a couple of them are kind of like these people who are like yeah i used to be so depressed i used to cut myself i used to really hate what i looked like and then i 
found Ziz, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, whoa, I don't even like know whether this is good or bad. Like on the one hand, it seems like this is an incredibly unhealthy, you know, body image to be trying to perpetuate. But at the same time, like, I guess if you're like inspiring all these people to like not be depressed anymore and like leave their homes and like go to the gym or whatever, I just don't know how to feel about it, you know? I think that it's like a pretty common phenomenon to like be looking for something or like to feel like there's a void in your life in some way or maybe you're um like having a hard time or like you're chronically depressed or like whatever and then you find something whatever it might be that like inspires you and that's the thing that turns you around and and therefore you feel like this like aggressive sense of like allegiance to it i have to say though that the mental health effects of even exercising a little bit they're, they're great they're amazing yeah they're great and so that's the thing is that like i feel like guys or anyone like Ziz are so influential because it like it, it's true, right? If if this person inspires you to start working out, then you are probably going to start feeling better. And and I think just like psychologically, you're gonna attribute that to like this guy, you know, like I feel better. Like, yeah, because I work out, but I would have never been able to do it without this guy. Which like you know might be true, I guess I don't know. But I think that. This is a good sort of segue into a conversation, like a conversation that I wanted to have about like body standards for dudes, you know, Mm -hmm. I, so I feel like Ziz is a very kind of like 2000s aesthetic attractive where I feel like like when we were going into or through high school and like maybe even early college, the body standard for dudes was more stereotypically like muscular, like gym bro. Yeah. You know, but I'm interested in getting y'all's take on whether or not, because I feel like that's not as like not so much the case anymore but i'm trying to figure out if it's like a cognitive bias on my part whether like where it's like oh i'm like a 26 almost 27 year old now and like meeting someone that's that ripped is like very very rare you know like Mm -hmm. most guys like have some form of a dad bod (laughs) whether it be on like the larger or like you know just like slightly chubby side or whatever right I think just because, like, meeting a millennial that has that much time to dedicate to the gym is ridiculous, just really rare. Yeah. And, like, they don't, they, they don't do anything else, right? Like, that's what you do. You go to the gym. So do you all think that, like, body standards for men have become more real- realistic over the time? Or do you think that they've always just, like, dudes have always just been, like, had the ability to kind of just, like, look whatever or however they want to look to a certain extent? Yeah, I definitely think that there's been an evolution. And I think in my mind as well, I think, as you were saying... I don't think I would ever want to date somebody who was that ripped because you have no other hobbies other than going to the gym if you can achieve that body type. And I also think that generally speaking, you know, the dad bod movement, as you were saying, is kind of making it so that, you know, even if you have a little belly, it's still really sexy and really attractive. So, you know, I feel like at least it's, having that standard is more egalitarian right (laughs) like i i you know have friends (laughs) who would just you know when they go on dates would start getting ready like three hours beforehand right and i would always feel so bitter about the fact that like whoever they were going on a date with probably spent like 10 minutes or something like getting ready for that date 
you know? And I would be like, oh my God, like, why are you just like pressing yourself? Like, this is such a waste of time. Like, this mm-hmm. person is clearly not putting in the effort that you're putting into it, right? right? But it's like, you know what? At least if like this guy is going to the gym, like maybe they're spending actually an aggregate, like an equal amount of time that women spend on their appearance. Because I do think, mm-hmm. I think it's stupid that anyone spends time on their appearance. But if anyone's going to do it, I think. <laughs> it better be equal. It, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, if you are a woman who spends whatever like 20 hours a week on her appearance or whatever you better believe that you deserve a man who also does that (laughs) you know (laughs) i feel like oh man i've i don't i so i think this is one of the few ways that i like i have a hard time disembagulating like my personal ties with being a dude can I just say, I don't think disembagulating is a word. You've said it like so many times on this podcast, at least two other well, times. Dude. What the <laughs> heck does disembagulating mean? What the fuck is going on with you? <laughs> I'm going to look it up right now. And if it's not a word, I'll say it. I'll, like, I'll admit You'll it. You'll add it to the dictionary. You know what I'm saying? This is ridiculous. How are you, how are you spelling it? Like D-I-S-E-M-B-A-G. I think I'm just mispronouncing it. Are you trying to say discombobulated? No, disambigu- disambiguation. Oh. oh. Okay. <laughs> so, I think you're just mispronouncing it. Then. Yeah, I was definitely mispronouncing it. But I feel like you could have like... Been a little bit more supportive. You attacked me on air. <laughs> like on the fucking pod. And you're going to keep this in too. No, I'm not going to keep it <laughs> I only keep it in when I'm ready. <laughs> fucking asshole. I can't even remember what I was going to say. Now I'm just so mad. Oh, I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm going to rephrase it and not use that word. Oh, thank you. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, no, so it's hard for me to tell if this is just me being like a dude that's like personally affected by something or if like I actually think that this is a real trend in society. But I do think that the stereotype is that like guys don't care about their appearance or that like guys like are like generally unaffected by like society societal physical standards and i just feel like that's so not true coming from a dude that like obviously like i'm a dude and i have dude friends and we talk about dude shit yeah dude yeah dude you know bro like whatever (laughs) and like in every circle of guy friends that i have like my gamer friends the guys that I play sports with, whatever, whatever. We all have body issues. (laughs) Like all of us do, especially if we don't have like sort of the quintessential cool bod, like like muscular bod, you know? Mm. So I feel like the, you know, and I don't like, I'm not trying to compare plights because I think the plights are different of like the man and the woman as it relates to body standards and like beauty standards. But I think they're there for dudes, you know? I think they should be like acknowledged. I think, what I see the differences being is that maybe everyone feels insecure, but the question is, what is the ex- societal expectation that you're going to go off and do something about it, right? Mm-hmm. There is this expectation that, like, I just know, I think, just an insane number of women who will get up, like, hours earlier to, for literally every single day before they go to work so they can straighten their hair and, like, you know, do their eyelashes and do their makeup and whatever, and I just, that that just inherently takes so much of your time that you could be like doing other things yeah i agree with that like i'm never i'm never getting up hours and hours in advance to do anything yeah. you know me either but i mean yeah but i people mean genuinely enjoy that looking a certain way putting their face together a certain way and 
I guess for some people it could be meditative to a certain extent if you're, you know, putting makeup on your face or, you know, putting on your eyeliner. I think it's just there's probably a group of people out there who genuinely don't enjoy it, but yet still force themselves to do it because of some societal standard or so much. Yeah. Thing. I mean, regardless of whether you enjoy it or not, the people who are doing it are still predominantly women. I don't know right. any man who like wakes up hours like earlier to, to work on their physical appearance every single day. You know what James I mean? James Charles. Who's that? He's a, a beauty YouTuber. Like yeah. he like, he's like a, a makeup, but I mean, he, he's obviously an anomaly <laughs> like he yeah yeah he sounds anomalous Anomalous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, he's he's obviously an anomaly um you know i think that i you know i think that like there is no dude equivalent to makeup for example like obviously makeup is, is the dude equivalent to makeup but a lot of uh i mean it's definitely true that more men than or more women than men wear makeup on average especially like in america i think yeah so i don't yeah i, I don't think i'm trying to like I said, like compare like plates in that way. I just think that I think that you were sort of getting at this earlier, which is that maybe there are ways that like the effort goes in, but like differently, you know, and maybe one of the ways is like if a dude that's trying to get ripped like that um, spends a lot of time at the gym, but also it's a false equivalency because most guys aren't trying to get ripped like that. But I feel like a lot of women spend time, some, some amount of time putting on makeup. Well, the thing that really bothers me about it is that, like, I see so many women put so many hours into those things, and it's not something that societally I feel like they get a lot of cred for in the same way as if, you know, like, a couple years ago, there was this guy who had this freak accident at Swarthmore, which is where I went to school, Mm -hmm. and he died. And there was an email that the school sent out as part of his, you know, like basically an obituary that went out to the student body that was talking about all of like these hobbies that he had. He loved working on like motorcycles. And, you know, he did like a list of 10 different things that he did and was really passionate about. And I honestly feel like of my female friends compared to my guy friends, if I had to kind of write that obituary for them, right, it's really difficult to come up with like all of these like lists of 10 things for my female friends. And I literally attribute some of that to the fact that they're spending so much of their time online shopping, doing their makeup, like doing all these other things, right? Mm -hmm. I think it literally just takes up so much of your time on this thing that like when you die, is someone going to be like, oh yes, she looked great. I don't think it's given the same level of like value in our society as like, oh, you're doing a productive, useful thing that is, that we value. Yeah. But then like when Kim Kardashian and Kylie kind of walk in with their billions of dollars, it does seem like something that we value more and more yeah yeah and it's something that they're kind of lifting themselves up and like Fenty Beauty with Rihanna right like mm-hmm. Rihanna is the top paid artist I think generally whether it's I don't know if it's like top paid female artist or top paid artist I'm sure it's female artist really there's yeah. no way I think it might be artist there's definitely way Rihanna is like yeah she's stacked yeah I mean She's I, w- I, would, more I wouldn't money have than guessed. Re- yeah, yeah. I, will, I think you mean like across all the brands, right? Yeah, across every, like yeah. every year. Wait, what kind of artist are you talking about? Are you talking about specifically uh, like a musical artist? Yeah, music artist. Isabel's Googling. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's that's, what is his name? The redhead guy, that stupid looking redhead guy. That guy, it's him. I'm pretty sure it's him. <laughs> 
I like Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I like Ed Sheeran too. I don't know if it's twenty eight. But I, I also think that like generally the bigger like the superstars that we're seeing in just like the fame sphere of America are like becoming more and more predominantly women. Or right. I don't I don't want to say predominantly, but like their women are like winning more and more of a market share of it. The three biggest stars I can think of right now are like Lizzo, Beyonce, Taylor Swift, Rihanna. And then like when I think of dudes, I think of like Drake. Yeah, Drake. And like Kanye, but for bad reasons. <laughs> um, did we wanna I know that you had an interest of touching on like exercise and the and the role it plays in people's lives. Do you want Yeah, wanna, I guess we kinda talked about it a little we bit. We did a little bit. Yeah. I mean I think that I'd be interested in hearing like how you all feel like exercise plays a role in your life. I really am only trying to exercise if I'm ha- if I'm like having fun and I right. don't I like I don't like working out and so it becomes kind of this like part of the reason why I the only the only reason I do things like physically that I enjoy nowadays is because I hate working out so much I hate running it like physically hurts my body I think because mm-hmm. like in part because I'm like a heavier person so like I get shin splints that suck really bad and like whatever so it became like this like fucked up masochist thing when I would like go running all the time and it would hurt and I was doing it to like fit this like standard that like I thought was fucked up anyway but it, like I couldn't feel good about myself until I was doing it. So I think I've intentionally curated this like sort of regimen of fun physical activity on a regular basis for me so that I like so that I can feel internally like I've checked the box of working out, you know? So like regardless of whether or not I lose weight um, I'm like, oh, well, I'm like, I, I like, I check, like, I work out, you know, like I check that box, but it used to be definitely more weight focused for me, you know, but then I, th- like, I, th- I feel like for me personally, like that goes down a really like fucked up road really quickly. So I just kind of had to like mentally just try and remove it from the equation. But like what, so I feel like in the whole conversation around weight, like the big tension to me seems to be like the people who are like, oh, like, you're fat shaming, like, you know, this is actually, like, totally fine versus, like, the, the, the sect of people versus the other side, which is more like, no, this is about health. Like, you're going to die earlier. We're having an obesity epidemic, like, f- high blood pressure, like, all kinds of, like, health things that come with weight. And I feel like on the, people on the other side who are like, no, that's actually totally a myth. I have no idea what the actual science is, but, like, I feel like there's this weird tension going on between people who are like no this is science versus like oh this is just like you trying to stigmatize people or whatever my understanding has always been like similarly like with everything it lies somewhere in the middle where it's like if you like never get any physical activity and you eat like really bad food then you're definitely going to die sooner <laughs> <laughs> and like there are like certainly health complications tied to that and like i think the movement like the sort of anti-fat shaming movement what it's focusing on is like people that are quote-unquote like fat shamed that look i think more like me where like i'm a larger guy but like i have i do more physical activity than like i'd say 90 percent of people that i know you know and and i think that the movement i think in its purest form is like trying to disentangle the way you look from like this assumption of how much physical activity you do but i think like most movements especially ones that like are spearheaded by millennials there are people that like overcorrect in the other direction. So it's like there are people that are like, you know, you like should never ever talk about or like talk about anyone's like levels of physical activity ever 
or you know this idea that this like sort of backlash against like teaching that it's like a good idea to do exercise or like encouraging exercise mm-hmm. because it's because it'll make you look better you know and i think that's a good thing but we should definitely still try and teach kids that like physical activity is good for you you know because it is good for you health health wise i think it's super hard because unlike a lot of aspects of health this one has gotten so intertwined with like societal norms you know right but like there's no societal norm around like yo make sure you you eat a lot of turmeric because <laughs> <laughs> because you know you want that anti-oxidant like 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 if you don't have any oxygen you're like you're you're a fucking fat bitch you know like no <laughs> like no one like no one thinks like that because like weight is just the thing that's most tied to like how you appear on the outside i guess for me i feel like i've also gone through different periods of exercise and non-exercise and i think in high school it was a lot about you know being fast because i was on the cross country and I did a little bit of cross country, but a lot of, I guess, some track as well, um, long distance. And so it was kind of about that and also about looking skinnier. Um, but then in college, I feel like it was more just like I would exercise from time to time. And at that point, I was more thinking along the lines of, oh, I don't want to exercise unless it's fun, right? Um, but then now I feel like I'm kind of coming to this point, especially since I had mono over the summer and I just couldn't exercise or do anything and (laughs) I couldn't do anything that was fun. Um, And so I've definitely backslid a lot in terms of my physical capability. Um, And so now I'm like, okay, well, my goal is to exercise, do some exercise, you know, three times a week or two times a week and build it up from there. And I sometimes will just be on the bike or treadmill for 10 minutes because 10 minutes is better than zero minutes you know so um that's kind of where i'm at yeah and it's kind of a high bar sometimes to even make it fun yeah i think our society doesn't do enough to sort of like yeah normalize like what what exercise looks like you know because i think that i started i've started and stopped running so many times in my life and each time it was like i would start running and I get on the treadmill and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm fucking running now. And then in 10 minutes, I'm like, yo, I'm fucking beat. Like, I'm so tired. But like no one ever taught me that like you can't go from like not running at all to being able to run, you know, like even a mile straight. Right. It became, yeah, like this weird mental game with me where I, like I, I have even like in this house, there are two people that like run marathons and for them they talk about a light day of running being like a mile. And even today, me, like, where, where I'm at now, where, like, you know, I do intense physical activity three times a week, I still can't run a mile straight. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it, it's hard to try and measure, like, where to figure out where you want to put yourself on this measuring stick. When in reality, like, maybe you just shouldn't give a fuck about a measuring stick. so much elizabeth thanks for having me a lot of fun i think that it's cool to just like sit down with someone else that's like thought about something even if like they're not like a quote-unquote expert and just like talk about it because i think this is what like more closer mimics what real life is yeah you know um not saying that you're not a beauty expert (laughs) um as always if you 
like this pod. If you have any questions for us, any questions for Elizabeth, any comments on what you heard, um, hit us at I'm the villain pod, either on Instagram or at it's our Gmail account too. Um, and that's our Twitter as well. Uh, otherwise, uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs>